0: if you would this morning. Turn to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14 and verse 32. Mark 14, 32 this morning. They came to a place which was named Gethsemane and he saith to the disciples, see ye here? Well, I shall pray. He take with them Peter and James and John began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. He said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me, nevertheless not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleepeth, sleeping, and saith to Peter, Simon, sleepeth thou? Couldst not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit is truly ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spake the same words. <clears throat> and he returned and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither wouldst thou what to answer him. And he cometh the third time, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest. It is enough, the hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. Gracious Father, we pray, Lord, that you would be with us in this next moment as we look into your word that you would give us ears to hear that Lord the the truth from this passage God would speak to our hearts each one of us has different needs maybe some are going through difficulty tragedy in their own heart and life their own family maybe financial maybe physical maybe emotional whatever the need is I pray from the Word of God and the Spirit of God you'd meet that need most importantly the need of every man is to know Jesus Christ their personal Savior to be free from sin, which can only come for the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, who cl- the blood that cleanses us from all sin. Oh, I pray if to be one in this room who does not know Christ. Oh, Father, draw that one to yourself before it is too late. And for us who know you, may we draw closer to you today. We, may we say yes more to you today when you speak to us. May we deny ourselves, our flesh, more. Because we realize that you denied yourself so that each one of us could have everlasting life. We thank you for this day. Bless the message, your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes in life, we come to the fork in the road. (laughs) Probably many times in life. But all of us come to a fork in the road in life. And in that fork in the road, you have to decide, what are you going to do? It's not... The question is not what you want to do, what should you do? What should you do? Jesus was at that fork in the road. If you remember last week, we talked about how the fact that he had come from spending time with his disciples at Last Supper, this last meal that he had with them. And then he had to tell them some more horrifying news. Not only this one is going to betray me, and of course Judas left. They probably figured it out at that point. But then he told them, you're all going to fall away. All of you men who've been following me faithfully for these three years or so, you're all going to a- fall away. You're all going to be offended. Of course, Peter said those most famous words. No, all people be offended. I will not be. I will not leave you. I'll be loyal to you. I'll, I'm sticking with you to the end. And if we read the text, they, basically they all said it. They all said we will not be offended. We will stick with you. We'll stay with you. And, of course, we know they all fled from Jesus. Jesus goes a little further on. He goes from the city, the old city of of Jerusalem, through the eastern gate. And he goes to a place called Gethsemane. Now, I'm not going to show a whole lot of pictures, but just a picture's worth a thousand words. I went to Gethsemane. There it is. There's the entrance to it. Now there's many gardens, I was the public access to, there's only one public access to this garden. There's other gardens we didn't get to go to, other churches own it, people, private, private property of, of some people. Uh, this is the bottom of the hill. As you go up the hill, there's a lot of graves because they believe the closer you get to the Mount of Olives, uh, the more opportunity or chance you have to get into heaven. It's all false. That's what they believe. So we come down the hill, Mount of Olives, and we're down at the very base. And here's the entrance to the the Garden of Gethsemane. This place here is a place of what the Garden of Gethsemane is known as. The first point that we're going to look at from this passage, what can we learn from this passage, is the, the pathway to Gethsemane. It says, and they came to a place which is called Gethsemane. Gethsemane actually is a place of... Where there's olive trees, and of course, in olive trees, you have olives. <clears throat> and so, naturally, they had this olive press. And this is actually not in Gethsemane, this is actually in Nazareth. In Nazareth, as I mentioned during my presentation of the, of the pictures, they had the first century uh, going back, and what would actually happen during that day? They had a meal first century. Uh, what would what would Jesus eat back in that day they showed pottery they showed uh, a blacksmith what would a blacksmith all these different things and one of the things they showed was this this oil press this, this olive oil press and actually they would put the olive oil and they would have this uh, wheel and a person would or an animal they had a person actually one of us actually use it go around 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 they put the olives in that in that bowl and they use that wheel to press Olives. And they put all the olives in that bag that you see to the left. This is a place of it's a beautiful place, but it's a place of of, of pressure. And actually, after this, they the next step is to to use those weights to to press it a second time. They've crushed all the grapes. Now they put the grapes in a bag and they press it a third time, a, a second time, and they do this three times. And the guide said, after the third time is what you get the extra virgin olive oil. They only do it three times. He said, after the third time, it's, it's not usable anymore. And It's interesting, this passage, that Jesus comes to the disciples three times and he prays three times. Interesting. This is the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the Eastern Gate. It's just across the way. You can look and see the eastern gate. Jesus comes to the eastern gate, which of course is open, it's closed now. He comes across the eastern gate and he goes through a, over a brook called the brook Kidron. The brook Kidron, interesting name. It's called brook Kidron. It's actually a, a, a name for a, a dark brook, a, 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 a very muddy brook. And it would be even more so because this remembers the time of the Passover. Many people would be there and they would have the slaughtering of the lambs. And there would be water mixed with blood. And here you would have this place where Jesus and disciples would cross over. Interesting enough, you remember the history of, of Israel. Dave, David fleeing from his son Absalom who is taking over Jerusalem. Goes over this brook as well. Of course, Absalom betrayed His father, Judas, betrayed Jesus. So we see this this garden. You see the place where Jesus prays. This is the church that's established there. Usually when there's any type of religious spot, uh, the nativity, the crucifixion, there'll be a church. In almost every religious spot in Israel, there's a church, there's a a bookstore or or, or a, a, a store where you can buy things, and there's a bathroom. That's how you identify it as a place in Israel to go they all had those same characteristics this is the actual spot that many people believe that Jesus prayed this prayer that we read this morning this is the place the Garden of Gethsemane so Jesus was in this place this place of pressure this place of pain this place of decision-making we know in the from the beginning of the scriptures and the book of Genesis, the Garden of Eden, is a garden of tragedy. This will be a garden of testing. And of course, Ultimately, he would be in the garden of triumph. The Bible says in John chapter 19, verse 41, Now the place where he was crucified was a garden, and the garden a new sepulcher, wherein never man was laid. But what is the difference between the Garden of Eden and the Garden of Gethsemane? Interesting the differences. In the Garden of Eden, all was delightful. It was a beautiful place. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was a dreadful place. As he had to make this decision Adam was disobeyed in sin the Savior suffered and obeyed in the Garden of Eden Adam is conquered by sin but in the Garden of Gethsemane Jesus conquered his own will in the Garden of Edom Adam took the fruit of Eve's hand in the Garden of Gethsemane Jesus took the cup from his father's hand in the Garden of Eden God sought for Adam and in the Garden of Gethsemane the last Adam sought God his father in the Garden of Eden The self-indulgent man, Adam, ruined us. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, the agonies of second man restored us. In the Garden of Eden, Adam's attitude was, My will be done. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus' attitude was, Thy will be done. Oh, how I wish the first Adam would have had the attitude and the obedience of the second Adam. We see the path to Gethsemane, but secondly, the plea in Gethsemane. We look at verse thirty-two, and he, Jesus says to his disciples, He had left <clears throat> several of the disciples, all but the three—the three that had been with them, the inner circle, Peter, James, and John—that had been with him in several specific places. He says to them, as he left the other disciples uh, outside the garden, "Sit ye here while I shall pray." Sit here, he tells them to watch and to pray you know what And the same is true of us today god asks us to watch to prepare and to pray first corinthians chapter 16 verse 13, watch ye, stand fast in the faith quit you like men be strong first peter 4 7 the end of all things is at hand be therefore sober be sober watch unto prayer last week i took a motorcycle trip with some guys that came up from gospel baptist they asked me to ride with them on thursday i hadn't ridden a motorcycle in several months it's amazing what you forget in a couple months, though. It comes back to you pretty soon, or it better come back to you pretty soon, or you won't be riding a motorcycle very long. We got down the road going up 121 up toward Lake Butler. We stopped upside the road, and uh, we all decided to kind of go. I was the head, the, the, the leader of six other guys. You know, and when you're leading six other guys, you're always responsible for the guy behind you, or you're supposed to be responsible for the guy behind you. Leaving these guys, we, get, we, we decide to stop, take a break, rest, and that's good to do every once in a while on your motorcycle. We got down the road, and I looked, and two of the guys were, I could not see them. I couldn't see them. And I finally got a ways down. I could see them way back in the back, and finally I stopped again, and so we could all catch up so we wouldn't be, you know, here, there, there and yawn. And we finally, and, and, and the, at the next stop, one of the gentlemen who got lost came to me and said, I apologize I wasn't watching but I'm 85 years old I said brother I'm just glad you're on the motorcycle today at 85 thank you for being with us but in life you know we need to watch and pray Do no we not we need to watch and pray we need to be we need to be sober we need to be vigilant because our adversary the devil like a roaring lion seeketh whom he they devour the enemy is after us we have to be sober be serious now is not the time to be timid now is not the time to be motionless now is not the time to be murmuring now is the time to be focused serving the Lord to be serious about life dear friends I believe we're coming towards the end and if we ever need a time we need to serve the Lord It's today because day could be the day of our salvation, meaning the day when Jesus Christ comes through the clouds and calls us home. What if it were today? Would you be ready? Would you find you watching, or would we be like Jesus, who found the disciples th- sleeping for three, time, three times? Would Jesus find us sleeping at the wheel? Oh, I believe when the rapture of the church comes back, come when rapture of the church happens to take Jesus come to take his his bride back, the church back. There'll be many Christians sleeping, many Christians slothful, not busy serving the Lord. If there's ever a time we need to be sharing the gospel, it should be now every time we should go on door-to-door visitation if you're now if there's every time we should be going in nursing homes going to the prisons going wherever we can and telling folks that you're a sinner and you need Jesus Christ to save you dear friends it's now it's now it's now now is the time we need to share the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ oh they were asleep they were asleep so many of us find ourselves asleep spiritually we see the path to Gethsemane, the plea in Gethsemane, but the prayer in Gethsemane. I love this prayer. Well, how painful it was for him. Verse 35, and he went forward a little, a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass for him. A couple of characteristics of the prayer. First of all, it's a personal prayer. He said, Abba. Abba. The word Abba here is the word of a child. A child uses this to address his papa or his daddy. He said, "Father." He don't use the word "Abba." He uses the word "Father" as well. It's personal. He didn't say the man upstairs, or my buddy, or my pal, or that man, the divinity in the distance. No, my Father. When we address God, we should address Him. My Father. Isn't He our Father? Oh, how wonderful Father we have. He protects us, doesn't he? He provides for us, doesn't he? He prepares us, doesn't he? Oh, what a wonderful Father we have in our Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I love the personal pronoun, my. He's my shepherd. I shall not he says father it's a personal prayer secondly it's a persistent prayer it says in Matthew chapter 26:39 another passage that describes this incident in Matthew twenty six thirty nine and went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying oh my Father if it be possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not as I will but that will and he did the, if you read the the verb tenses in this it wasn't just one time he did this he did this over and over and over and over you know I think sometimes we expect God to be like a genie we rub the we rub the lamp we expect the genie come out give us three wishes and this and if if he doesn't do it he must not be God we want we want god our way but dear friend god doesn't answer our way he answers his way sometimes the best answer to prayer is no i've had i've had answers that i've asked god for and he said no and it was the very best thing for me sometimes it's wait. <laughs> You're, kids you ever had your parents say well okay i'll give it to you but wait and you wondered well how long is that going to be 50 years <laughs> you're you're 10 years old and you say i want a cell phone how's long is it gonna be 10 years from now 50 years from now <laughs> no no dear friend a day with the god is just is like a thousand years a thousand years is like a day his timing is different from our timing. from our time It's a persistent prayer. Do we pray to him on a regular basis? When's the last time you prayed for something, not just one day, but every day? I think it was last week we were praying. We are talking about George Mueller and how he prayed for three friends to be saved over 50 years. And the last one was saved right after his death. Because he prayed persistently. What are you praying for persistently right now? What are you asking God? What are you pleading with God? What are you do- knocking on the doorsteps of heaven with your prayers? You know, we, sometimes we just pray one prayer and we ask God, it's okay?" we think it's over. No, pray persistently. Jesus prayed persistently. It was a personal prayer. It was a persistent prayer. It was a powerful prayer. In Luke chapter 22, again, another companion verse of this passage, and the being in agony prayed more earnestly and sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And as I read about this, it's called Hermodotris. A person who goes through the suffers extreme pain and caused by trauma, stress, or pressure for an emotional upheaval, the capillary veins right under the skin burst and the blood mingles with sweat and pours through the enlarged pores. He was such agony. He was such anguish that his blood mixed mixed with his sweat. And it was as if he's he was dripping great drops of blood why because he was in anguish of soul it was the greatest decision of his entire life he was praying about this cup and what is this cup well, it was a cup of pain it's a cup of god's wrath that he was going to have to drink he was going to have to partake of he was going to have to swallow he was going to have to face this time of rejection not just from his friends yes that was happening was going to happen but ultimately from his own father because he was going to take our sin upon himself as the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6 are we like sheep gone astray have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made being made a curse for us for his written curses everyone that hangeth on a tree Jesus would be a curse for, for me and for you. And he would, he, would, he would hang up that tree and he would look up into heaven and say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And for the first time and for the only time in the history of the, of the universe and of eternity, God turned his back, his face away from his son because he could not look upon sin. And that is what Jesus faced. That's what Jesus faced. But It was a penitent prayer it was a humble prayer nevertheless verse 36 not what i will but what thou wilt oh wonderful words and he said them throughout his time on this earth john chapter 4 verse 34 jesus said to them my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work john chapter 6 verse 38 for i came down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him that sent me Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, Then said, I, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. Oh, in every decision we make, in the forks of life that are before us, even today in the decisions we make, may we say, not my will, but thy will be done. May that be our prayer. May that be our purpose. May that be our passion. Lord, I don't want to do what I want to do, although I really want to do it. I really want to do what you want me to do. I really want you to do what you want me to do. As I was in the prison ministry, I got to minister to one, two men, but one man specifically most of the day yesterday. And after Brother Jonathan preached, a young man, well, not young man. He was in his 30s. He came to me crying. I said, what's wrong, brother? Didn't you pray yesterday to ask Jesus Christ to be your?" He said, yeah, I... I did, but I'm so sad. My mother, she's in the hospital and she's going through this and she's going through that and she's going through this, this problem and going through that problem. And I said, We need to pray that your mother gets saved and she finds a good church that will help her, encourage her. And as soon as I said those words, he said, That's what she needs. She needs a good church, she needs a good fellowship. She needs people who care for her and love her and strengthen her and, 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 and want to help her. She needs that. I said, Yeah, that's what she needs. That's what she needs. That's what she needs. It was a penitent prayer. Do we pray? Do we pray asking God, believing God that He will answer prayer? F.B. Meyer was on an ocean liner across the Atlantic, a famous preacher. He was speaking. Because the captain asked him to on the topic of answered prayer. He was speaking to some of the passengers on the boat. An agnostic said to one of his friends, I think I will go and hear this man speak. And he did. And as soon as he heard F.B. Meyer speak on answered prayer, he said, that man doesn't know anything. What he's saying is crazy. And he heard F.B.R. Meyer was going to speak on another topic somewhere else on the boat. So he said to himself, I think I will go hear him too. i got to go hear what that babbler has to say. And so as he was going to hear F.B. Meyer speak again, he had two oranges in his hand. And he was going to hear the man speak. He saw this lady, elderly lady, who was, who was sound asleep on the deck just laid out hands out to her side and he decided to do something funny and he put an orange in each one of her hands and after he went to the message and heard him speak he walked back out and he saw that elderly lady eating one of the oranges and he says "Ah, I see you got one of the oranges and she said to him yes my father gave them to me and he said ma'am no Can you tell me, is your father still alive? And she said, no, my dad, my earthly father's been gone for many years, but my heavenly father, he always provides for me. And before I fell asleep, I asked God for an orange. And God has provided me an orange. That man got saved. That man got saved. Does God answer prayer? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. We see the path of Gethsemane, the plea in Gethsemane, the prayer in Gethsemane. But the partner in Gethsemane, verse, in chapter 22, verse 43 of the book of Luke, it says, it's not here in the book of Mark, but it says in verse 22, 43, there appeared an angel in him from heaven, strengthened in him. George Morrison said, every life has its Gethsemanes. Yes, it does. And every Gethsemane has its angel. It has its angel. You ever been through a time of trouble, time of pain, time of sorrow? And someone or something gave you comfort, gave you help? You ever been there? Brother Brother Chuck, you ever been there? (laughs) You could probably stand up and give a testimony. Thursday night, the craziest thing ever happened to me in my life. I was dreaming that I could not breathe. You ever dreamt something crazy? I was dreaming I could not breathe and I woke up and I was struggling to breathe. I could only breathe about a quarter of a breath. And finally I got up, rubbed some sports cream on, had some ibuprofen, got up and I felt better. But my son's cat came over and comforted me. He sat right on my chest and looked at me like, are you alive? At 1.30 in the morning, I hope I am cat. But that silly cat comforted me at 1.30 in the morning. It was better than nothing else. Finally, my wife came out and said, you alive? What are you doing? I said, man, that was difficult. I was having a hard time. She said, oh, you're just getting old. <laughs> Ooh, was an angel? Was an angel? But in life, we need comfort, don't we? Isn't it nice, even though you're going through difficulty, know someone's there, that someone actually cares? Yea, that I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Aren't you glad? Friends may forsake you, family may forsake you, but God the Father, he'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. We see the path of Gethsemane, the plea in Gethsemane, the prayer in Gethsemane, the partner in Gethsemane, but finally this morning, the priority in Gethsemane. Look at verse 41 one more time. Verse 41. Mark, Mark chapter 14, verse 41. And he cometh a third time and saith to them, Sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed in the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. Surely Jesus was on his way. With the temple soldiers, he would be betrayed by his friend with a kiss, as we see next week. Betrayed by his, left by his own disciples. There'll be a mock trial we'll read about. He'd be scourged, beaten, mocked, and ultimately crucified. Why? I love the verse that I think explains it the best. John chapter 12, verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. When Jesus was on the cross, we were on his mind. He did it not for himself, not for his glory, but for us. But for us. So that we might have everlasting life. I read an interesting story about a tiny village near Nuremberg, Germany, that had 18 children. Man and wife had 18 children. I said 18. 18. The dad had, uh, as a goldsmith, he had to work nearly 18 hours a day just to try to provide for his family. Two of the sons, one named Albrecht and one named Arb- Albrecht, Albrecht and Albert. They both had de- de- desires and dreams of going to a school for work to be artists, but they knew they couldn't both go. They didn't have a whole lot of money in the family, so they made a decision. When they got old enough to go to school, they would flip a coin. One of them would go to the art school. The other one would stay behind and work in the mines to provide for the, for the one who went to the art school. And that's what happened. Albrecht won and got to go to the art school. And he did very well. He did very well. Albrecht Durer was his name. He sold some of his paintings, was even making money. And at the end of four years, he came back. And they all celebrated his accomplishments with... A great feast as much as the family could afford and Albert said to his brother Albert now it is your time I will work in the mines for four years while you go to school and learn how to be an artist and Albert sitting there said no 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 I cannot go my hands are crushed my fingers are withered. These years in the mines have been too much for my hands. I can barely hold a cup, much less a pen or a paintbrush. So, what did Albrick do for his brother? He drew a painting. You may have seen this painting. That's it right there the praying hands. One brother sacrificed for the other brother. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did for us? He sacrificed his will to say yes to the Father so that each one of us could have everlasting life. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he hath made him, for he God hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin that we may be made the righteousness of God in him the just died for the unjust the just Jesus laid down his life shed his blood for us the unjust so that we could have everlasting life oh dear friend I say to you today if you don't know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior There's never been a time in your life where you recognize the fact that you're a sinner. I beg with you, I plead with you today. Maybe today would be today, be the day that you would ask Jesus to save you from your sin. Jesus has paved the way already. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. There's no way possible we could save ourselves by anything that we do. There's, it's, it's, not, it's not possible. We can't save ourselves by being good or going to church or giving an offering or getting baptized or writing a poem or a painting. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. And for 17 years of life, growing up in Greenville, South Carolina, I, I thought to myself, if I could just be good enough, if I could just obey my parents enough, I could just do well in school enough maybe I could get to heaven but I was wrong there's no cosmic scale and up somewhere in heaven that if your works outweighs your bad works you'll get to heaven no dear friend the Bible said for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it's the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast and at 17 at 525 Taylor's Road in Taylor South Carolina at Colonia Hills Baptist Church that dear evangelist got up and said those words are you 100% sure if you died today are you 100% if I if you're 100% sure you died today would you raise your hand would you raise your hand and say I know I'm going to heaven I could not raise my hand I knew I was going to die and go to hell because I was not sure and thankfully there was a preacher there by the name of pastor Chuck Culpepper he took the Bible and from the scripture showed me that I was a sinner. I knew that. <laughs> that Jesus Christ was the only way to heaven. For Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. I recognized that. And thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised, if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him dead, thou shalt be saved. That's what I did that day. I said it with my mouth, I believed it in my heart, and on that day, April the 15th, 1989, I was saved. And dear friend, from that day to this moment, I'm still saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me ask you a question. Are you saved? Do you know you're saved? Now if you're saying, I think I am, I maybe am, you're not saved. <laughs> no, friend. Uh, I've been to two births. You know when you get, it was a birth it's a happening and when you get born again it's a happening life changes therefore if any man be in Christ he's a new creature old things are passed away behold all things become new oh man I struggled and fell and stammered for many years those first years after salvation but kept coming to church gotten disciple but I knew I was saved because for the first time in my life I had a hunger for this book I didn't care about this book two cents before I was saved <laughs> for the first time in my life I actually wanted to go to church my parents had to drag me to church beforehand They had to drag me to church I didn't want to come to church I didn't want nothing to do with church now I get paid to go to church <laughs> I went from party hardy Marty Moon to Pastor Marty life changed how that happened only Jesus wasn't a potion wasn't a pill what is a prescription it was a person I went from relationship to, re- to re- religion to relationship and different that's what can happen to you today you can be saved today if you're saved maybe you're in that fork in the road right now in your life which way should I go what should I do I want to do this I, I really want to do this but I'm gonna ask you a question is is it what you want to do Or what God wants you to do. Now, sometimes those are the same. But you got to ask yourself a serious question. Am I willing to do God's will, whatever the cost? It may cost you everything. It costs Jesus everything. Are you willing to do his will? Trusting a loving Heavenly Father to provide for you, to protect you, to help you all the way down the way. Because one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord oh they hated him they mocked him they spit at him they, they laughed at him but one day one day those same people who did that who did that will be praising him because Jesus is Lord is he your Lord and Savior today I hope he is are you being an obedient son or daughter today I hope you are father we thank